0: Welcome to My Millennial Career, my name is Shelley Johnson, I'm a HR consultant at Boldside where I help leaders build epic team cultures. At the time of this recording, I've just got back from Perth running a team culture workshop with Everest Wealth, who are good friends of the My Millennial Money community. Absolute legends. It was the best day. If you want to invest in your team culture or you want to hit your boss up to invest in your team culture... DM me on LinkedIn or find me on Instagram under Bold Side and let's chat about how we can work together. Okay, today's episode. It's been a while since I've done a solo episode, so that's what you're getting today. And Jess Pearson from the My Millennial Money team suggested this idea of what if you do a reverse on 99-ish boss problems and do the 99-ish employee problems. So the common problems that managers, leaders, business owners talk to me about as a HR consultant, what are the things that employees do that don't go down so well at work? they're the kind of things that I see employees do that that sabotage their career or sabotage their prospects at a particular organisation. So I'm going to share the 99-ish employee problems that I see commonly in HR so that you can steer clear of these issues or identify maybe if they're something you struggle with. I'm going to share the antidote to each problem as well. And when I say 99-ish, I really mean five. I think it's it's four or five I've got listed here, but they're the common problems I see on teams around Australia. Let's do it. All right, the first one. The first problem I see that a lot of employees can fall into is being a taker instead of a giver. Adam Grant's book, Give and Take, is amazing. We'll put a link into the show notes for this. And he talks about this idea of givers and takers. And he defines a taker as someone who is self-centred and self-obsessed at the expense of others. So they're driven by the desire to succeed, but often that comes at their team member's expense. On the flip side, he defines a giver as someone who's driven to help others succeed and they're the type of person who realizes the highest form of success happens when the people around me also succeed. And it's not me, I have to win at the cost of other people. It's we win together. So it's this mindset of we rather than being me centered. And if you're on a team right now, you could probably think about some people on your team who might fall into that category of takers. But often it's easy to project onto other people and we kind of go, oh yeah, I know one of those takers. But sometimes we don't do the self-reflection to work out, am I a taker? (laughs) Like, am I the problem? And I want you to do that. I want you to think about, could it be me? Could I be a taker? And if you are, the first step is acknowledging there's a problem. The second step is, well, how do I build some of those giver qualities? How do I consciously choose to be generous. And generosity, we often equate generosity with financial generosity. So, hey, I'm going to buy all the team lunch this week. That's not what I'm talking about. Generosity of time, of resource, of advice, those things really matter. So I want you to think about on your team, where do you fall on that spectrum of giver or taker? And if you're down that taker end where you're constantly thinking, what's in it for me? What can I get out of this? How do I maximize this for personal gain? I want you to start to see ways you can shift towards being more of a giver. Because as you give more to the people around you, you help elevate them and you get a deeper sense of meaning from your work. But that also elevates you and some of the best leaders you'll ever work for are givers. The worst leaders we ever work for are takers, no surprise there. they're the person that they're the person that takes credit for other people's success or they have that kind of transactional mentality. Whereas what I want for you and what I see great employees do is they have a given mindset. Now the only like asterisks or caveat I would have in this, you just have to also have good boundaries. So we can be a giver be generous with what we give to others, and still have healthy boundaries. Because one of the downsides or the dark side of being a giver is that you're more susceptible to burnout, you're more susceptible to being taken advantage of. So we just need to be mindful of, okay, I want to be generous, I want to be driven to help other people succeed, but I also need to have some of those healthy boundaries so that I can do that in a sustainable way in the long term. So the first problem, I'm just going to say this again, is when employees are takers instead of givers. And the antidote to being a taker is to have a we mindset, not a me mindset. Okay, number two, one of my favorite topics of conversation. The second problem I see so many employees fall into the trap of is entitlement. And entitlement sucks the life out of teams. Teams. Entitlement is weird. It gets thrown around so much. I remember like a few years back, everyone saying, oh, millennials are so entitled and now it's Gen Zs are so entitled. I think as people, we're all susceptible to entitlement. But I want to just spend a moment before we get into how this problem outworks in your career, I just want to define for a sec what entitlement actually is because we, we, we talk about the term so much, but what does it look like? And a sense of entitlement is a belief that you're owed something without having to work to achieve it or earn it. If you think of a professional sporting team, entitlement is kind of like a professional athlete saying, I don't have to go to training. I've got the position, I've got the jersey, and I'm just going to show up on game day. I'm just going to be there for the sexy stuff, like the cool stuff where I'm up front, I'm visible, I'm seen, but I'm not going to put in the hard yards behind the scenes and earn my spot. It's this mindset of I'm owed this position when really every athlete knows you have to earn your spot on the team. You have to show up consistently to training, do the hard yards, do the work when no one's watching in order to keep your spot on the team. And I think that's something that people might find challenging or rub them the wrong way. But at work, I see this a lot and in HR, we see it a lot where employees who have a sense of entitlement will almost act in that way where they feel they're owed something, but they haven't really worked for it. And from a boss's perspective, if we take off our employee kind of view and we look at it from what is this, how does my boss see this? It really rubs managers the wrong way when people come in with this mindset of, You owe me. Now, it's funny because entitlement is, I think, quite insidious. It's really hard to spot in ourselves and requires a really high level of self awareness. I had one of my clients, who I do HR work for, call me a while back and they had a brand new employee ask for a 10K pay rise in the first three months. And she was kind of like, what do I do? Like, how do I handle this? Because that person isn't doing the bare minimum of the role yet. So I can't, they're not even doing, like <laughs> it's, it's like they're not even doing the fullness of the job that they've started in, let alone in a position where I would consider them for a 10K pay rise. They'd just been hired. But in that three, first three months, they're already thinking, hey, I'm owed a pay increase. And I haven't earned it or, or demonstrated that value yet. And I think that's an extreme case, but we all have minor versions of this. And one of the things that I've been doing for myself is working out when I have, it's usually comes up, entitlement is usually linked to a sense of resentment. So if you can spot in you, oh, I feel resentful towards my boss, or I feel resentful about this particular thing. I want you to just do a little sense check on is this a a sense of entitlement coming up? Is there something that I feel that I'm owed that maybe have I actually worked for that thing? So entitlement is this kind of insidious, hard to spot problem. But I want to share with you the antidote because the antidote to entitlement is like gold in your career. Like if you can catch this, if there's one thing you take away from this episode today take this. The antidote to entitlement is gratitude. Gratitude is like the breath of fresh air on teams. It's that sense of appreciation. If you can figure out how do I create a culture and a practice of appreciation, how do I genuinely be grateful for the things that I have on this team, that creates opportunities for you. So I want you to think about what can you be grateful for in your current workplace and then how can you communicate that gratitude to your boss, to your team, to someone, to, your, to the business owner, whoever it is, I want you not just to be grateful for it, so not just to internalise, okay, I feel really thankful for this opportunity. I then want you to communicate and express that gratitude and appreciation I had a business owner recently, they sent their employees to a conference and it cost roughly 20K to have the team go away for the night. And it was a good career opportunity, but but not like something super out of the ordinary, right? Like lots of businesses pay for employees to go to conferences. And the CEO told me how one of their employees afterwards wrote them a card thanking them for the learning opportunity. It's like a handwritten card. And they said, hey, I just want to tell you, I really appreciated the opportunity of going to that conference here's what i took away here's the things that i learned and i really appreciate these opportunities the ceo was just blown away that their employee would think to do that and the g- gratitude and appreciation made them want to create more of those opportunities for that particular employee i think it's funny because it's something small but if you think really intentionally about how can I show and express gratitude? Firstly, it's the antidote to entitlement. So it reduces that sense of entitlement, but it also creates those opportunities for you and it brings more of that awesome stuff that you're wanting into your career. So whatever you think about gratitude journaling, about all that stuff, I don't really care. What I want you to get out of this is find ways of expressing your gratitude and appreciation for what you have in your career now and you will find that you'll get momentum and get more of those things just as a byproduct and your boss will love it so this is why entitlement it's a big problem but the antidote gratitude is something that will unlock opportunities for you okay the third employee problem i see is defensiveness it's a real It's a real killjoy. If you've ever had to give feedback to someone and they get really defensive, it's just the worst. (laughs) I'm putting my hand up because I I am this person. But I've also had to give feedback to people when they get defensive. And it's kind of one of those things where you can visually – you can see their facial expressions where you're giving someone feedback and they just get defensive and they shut down or they have like a look on their face, a really sour kind of expression – And you're like, oh, no, this is not going well. Defensiveness is a blocker in your career. Not only does it rub your boss the wrong way, because it does, but it it inevitably stops you getting more feedback. So the more defensive you are, the less feedback you get, the less you develop, and you get stuck in this vicious cycle, and that's where you start to stagnate in your growth. And so I want you to think about how do you respond typically to feedback? What is your initial response? Now, some people are amazing like this. When they get tough feedback, they're initially super interested and they're really like keen to learn and grow. Whereas when I get tough feedback, sometimes I'm like immediately like, no, I reject that. <laughs> like, but we need to work out how do we reduce our defences? How do we disarm our defenses and receive feedback and growth in a way that makes people more likely to give it to us in the future? And if we think about, okay, here's the problem, the problem is defensiveness. the antidote to defensiveness is drum roll, curiosity. and I was talking with a team about this the other day, and we were talking about this idea of okay, well, how do you stop getting defensive and one of the things that I do that's helped me is say, that's interesting. Can you tell me more about that? So the cu- activating your curiosity. When someone says something that feels like a curveball, they're like, hey, I really didn't like what you did in that presentation last week. Go, oh, okay. I'd like to hear more about that. Tell me more. Now really in your mind, you might be like, oh, this feels painful. And I've worked my ass off for that presentation. Like, I don't want to receive any feedback. I've, I've worked so hard on it. I want you to consciously think of it like a switch. You're moving from the defensive switch to the, you're activating that curiosity. If you could see me, I'm like dialing up a, do we even have dials anymore? In the car, the volume, turning up your curiosity. So tell me more is a good one. Say more. I'm really keen for your perspective. What do you think I could do differently? Any of those questions are activating curiosity and lowering your defenses. If this is something you struggle with, the other thing I would recommend to help you if you feel defensive at work when you're getting feedback would be to simply say, I feel a bit defensive, but I really want to hear you. And simply that act, and I think I've said that on previous podcasts, but simply the act of acknowledging defensiveness reduces the impact of that feeling on how you respond in the moment. So use that, try it. Hey, I feel a bit defensive, but I'm I'm really keen to hear you. And it just signals to the other person what's going on for you. It's acknowledging the feeling and the emotion that you're having at that moment. If you want to grow in your career, I just wanted to remind you about our book, Sort Your Career Out and Make More Money. Glenn James and I have written this book to help you with any kind of career crisis, but also those things that you want, like getting a promotion, making more money, moving into a leadership role, or if it's time to quit your job, you can find our book wherever you get good books from, or you can listen on the audiobook, Sort Your Career Out and Make More Money. Now let's get back to the show. All right, employee problem number four, cynicism. Cynicism or pessimism, however you want to call it, whatever you want to call it, is an energy drainer. Cynicism is an energy drainer on teams. Have you ever been in those meetings where you've sat there? (laughs) You've you've sat there, I'm laughing because I can think of so many where either I've been in them, running them, or I've been the person, the cynic in them. So I can see both sides. you'll you'll know that feeling when you're in a meeting and you're putting forward an idea and maybe it's like a left field creative idea and you're like oh what if we did this differently and there's cynic in the room will be like no we can't do that because we've tried that 16 years ago and it really didn't work and you're like oh my gosh cynicism deflates the energy in a room and it also sucks out creativity One of the things you can physically see the impact it has, people start to almost like slump their shoulders when someone blocks people's ideas with pessimism or cynicism. A a little distinction, cynicism, I liken to whinging, complaining, grumbling. Cynicism is not questioning or challenging. So the, the cynical thing is more of a blocker, whereas challenging is a really important thing that needs to happen on teams. We don't just want groupthink. And so what I'm, what I'm not saying is toxic positivity. Like, I don't want you to feel like, oh, well, I can never disagree with anyone. That's not it. What I'm saying is that it's that dynamic on a team where nothing's ever good enough. No new idea could possibly work. Shutting down creative ideas and opinions and blocking progress. That's some of what I feel like comes to mind when I think of cynicism. If we look at the definition of what does it mean to be cynical or pessimistic, it's to see the worst aspects or believe the worst. So that classic like glass half empty. So what is the antidote to cynicism? If this is something that you find that you struggle with, the antidote to cynicism isn't toxic positivity. And I don't even know that I feel like it's optimism. One of the things I think you can do if you if you find yourself to err towards this pessimistic lens is I want you to become a solutions finder. So often when we're in that kind of cynical mind frame, we're really focused on here's all the problems and they can't be solved. Whereas if you look at yourself and go, okay, how do I find the solution? How do I become a solutions finder? It doesn't mean we're overlooking the problem, but it does mean that I'm going to put forward more ideas for how we fix it, more solutions. So on a team, you might see a big problem and you're like, that is something we absolutely need to solve. So before you start digging into... Here's why that thing is the worst thing ever. You could frame it of going, okay, we've got this problem and I've got a couple of ideas for solutions for it. So you A, you're still acknowledging that there's a problem. You're not glossing over it. You're not kind of pretending it doesn't exist. But you are putting forward ideas for solutions. And this is something that I think... Managers really want on their team because, for a manager, a lot of the time, a lot of their job is spent solving problems, and often they're quite drained and fatigued of these problems. So, I want you if you're thinking, How do I find solutions? How do I uncover them? How do I offer up ideas? They might be creative, they might not be the most solid, but I'm coming with options rather than just coming to my manager or team or work with a big long list of problems that I want other people to solve. So employee problem number four is cynicism and the antidote is become a solutions finder. The fifth employee problem I see is a lack of initiative. So it's the vibe of, I'm going to sit back and wait to be told what to do rather than finding out, okay, here's what I think we should be doing and putting that to my manager. I'm going to wait for them to give me instructions. And this one is tricky because often I see people not take initiative because of a fear of failure. So you might be thinking, I can't take initiative because what happens if I get it wrong? Or I can't take ownership over that thing because I, no one's really given me permission. One of the things that I know employers love is when employees take ownership over their work. So they really step in and they're like, let me own this thing for you. I can see how end-to-end end we could do this really well and I'd love to own it. That sense of taking responsibility, it's like you're lifting. If you think about your boss, your employer, your manager, and they've got this weight that they're carrying on their shoulders, when you come along and you say, I, I think I can do that thing and I I reckon I can do it in this way and help you, you're like taking that Weight off their shoulders. That means that they can then focus their attention on other things, but also it gives them more trust in you to go, okay, cool. Joe's going to own that thing now that I've been carrying for like the last two years. What a relief. And again, if you're wanting to grow in your career, if you're wanting to step up into new roles, if you're wanting to get promoted, taking on responsibility, even if it falls outside of your job description. That can be the stepping stone to your next move. And that's how you build trust with your manager. It's how you build that equity in the relationship that helps you when you want to get a promotion or it helps you if you ever leave, think about your reference and go, okay, what are they going to say about me? What are the things they're going to say? They're going to be like, mate, Joe took responsibility. He took initiative. He was driven and we're so devastated to lose him. Those are the kinds of things you want to be known for. So the employee problem of a lack of initiative, the antidote to that is to act like an owner. So how can you act like an owner in the business? Because the people who act like owners, who step up, who are proactive, who take responsibility for stuff that others wouldn't, that have a stronger career path at that particular business, but they also create other opportunities outside of it. So I want you to think about in your job right now, is there anything that I'm doing? Is there any areas, are there any gaps in our team that I could step in and take ownership over? Are there things that I can see my boss is carrying that I could potentially step up and help them with? And by doing that, and you can even ask them those questions. Hey, I've noticed this. I'd love to be able to jump in and help you with that. Or how would you feel if I took ownership over this particular process or this particular product? I can see some fixes, but I know you, you don't have time for that. Can I take the lead on it? Simply saying that and asking your manager if there's a the space for you to take initiative on that thing. Simply asking the question as well. If we go back to the top one, that's being a giver. That's being the type of person that thinks about the interest of the team over your own task list and I think out of all of the five problems we've talked about this lack of initiative is the one that comes up most repeatedly it's something that I hear nonstop from from managers of I just don't know how to get my staff to take initiative or I don't know how to get them to take ownership over their work And what I want for all of our listeners and what I want for you in your career is for you to be the person that stands out from everyone else. And the way that you do that is I want you to flip this script and go, how do I be that person on the team that's a giver? How do I be the person who has an attitude of appreciation, who shows gratitude and expresses gratitude? How do I activate curiosity when I'm getting feedback instead of getting defensive? How do I be a solutions finder instead of a pessimist? And the last one is how do you act like an owner instead of sitting back and waiting to be told the things that you need to do? So they're the five slash 99-ish employee problems that I see and the antidote to each one of those. So if you want to be the standout employee who builds an amazing career and has huge opportunities at your current employer and future employers, be aware of the five problems and do the opposite. To wrap up this episode, you might need to listen back to some of this stuff and do that self-reflection process. Work out, do any of these areas kind of feel like a bit painful? Because if they do, they're probably something that you find challenging. And if you find it challenging, I want you to look at what ways could you start shifting your behavior? Do you need to Become more curious when you're getting feedback. Do you need to thank your boss more often for awesome stuff that happens in your workplace, even the small things? Do you need to be more generous with your team and focus less on your own agenda? I feel like this episode's a little bit of tough love, but we've been hanging out for three years, so I reckon we've got that kind of relationship. I'd love to know from you if any of this resonated, if this sounds like you... I'd love to know what you valued most in this episode. So message me on LinkedIn and let me know what your big takeaways from this episode were. And as always, if you love the show, give us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen. Thanks for hanging out.